So if you're just joining us, uh, we're in week two of a series about money. And we're doing this series because honestly, like we want you to win. And since money is such a massive part of our lives, uh, we're actually going to spend several weeks talking about it here. Uh, if you were not here last week or you didn't watch, you know, the stream, you didn't stream it online, I do encourage you to go watch or go listen to the podcast. Uh, thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate that. Uh, go grab the podcast because uh, last week was definitely kind of the centerpiece uh, to kind of launch us into this conversation. So, uh, but by the way, we, I just wanted to kind of begin this morning with, with a couple of uh, truths, and that is this, that, that God isn't anti-ambition. In fact, he gave you the, am, the, the ambition that you have. God isn't anti-rich people or wealth or you know, people that have lots of means. In fact, some of the most famous people in the scriptures uh, were key people in the story of God's redemption of humanity and were very, they were very wealthy. Um, God's not against you enjoying the means that you have and the resources you have. Uh, in fact, one of the things that, that we actually talked about last week is how God gives us the good things that we have in our lives for our enjoyment. But he also knows how easily we begin to actually trust in money above everything else, including him, and how it kind of takes over our hearts and then it begins to kind of mess up and cause all these problems in our lives uh, as soon as it does. And, and he knows how easy it is for us to get lost in the area of personal finance. So just stop and think about all the emotion that gets kind of attached to money. Like, like isn't one of the most like awesome moments in just like regular life is when you put on pants and you find money in the pocket like, isn't that just an incredible moment? Like, you're just like, it was your money, but you feel like it's like free money that somebody just gave you. Like, God was just like, here, here's an extra 20 and put it in your pocket while you weren't looking or whatever. Isn't that an awesome feeling? Like, like how little bit, how little money do you have to find in your pants for it to make you happy? Like, if you find like 50 cents, you're like, oh, I mean, that's half a soda, kind of, <laughs> sort of. But if you get a buck, like five bucks, 10 bucks, like if you found a 20 spot in your jeans, wouldn't you be like, yes, I am definitely not telling my wife about this $20. Like I'm, no way. Because money is a powerful force in our lives, right? And it's easy for us to get all turned around and, and to have our life and our priorities get mixed up because of it. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten lost, even in a small way, but have you ever lost your car in a parking lot or a parking garage? And then, like, you done the little thing where you take your key fob and you stick it up to your mouth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you open your mouth. And you're trying to, trying to hear where your horn is. By the way, I did a little research, and it's actually true. Like, you're, because of all the fluid in your head, your head actually acts like an antenna. And so there's a reason. It actually is more effective to do that for some reason. Um, but, but we all know what it, what it feels like to be lost. Anybody remember life before like Google Maps or Waze and, and like you'd have to go online to MapQuest? Uh, anybody remember this little bad boy and you'd have to punch it all in to get directions and you'd have to print them out and you just thought it was so much better than actually owning a map. You're just like, this is stupid. People own maps. I print it out, all right? Like... So back before we were all kind of carrying around these little computers in our pockets that had GPS navigation built in, uh, Hansi and I were actually, uh, we flew to, uh, to go to a conference in Atlanta. And the day that we were supposed to leave, of course, we went down to the hotel lobby and printed out our MapQuest directions. 
But on our way to the airport, we actually got stuck in some really terrible traffic to the point where it was going to be cutting it close for us to actually make our flight. And so due to my innate superior navigation skills, I made the decision to get off the freeway in a city I've never been in before to find some way around the traffic and to get to the airport because how hard could it be? And not only was it a total fail, and not only did we end up hopelessly lost, we actually got lost in one of the worst parts of Atlanta, and we knew we were lost, but based on all the people that were sort of walking around our car and the way that they were looking at us in that neighborhood, they knew we were lost and that we didn't belong there either. Ultimately, by some miracle of God, we actually made it through and even somehow ended up at the airport just in time to actually make our flight. But it was a crazy experience. And if you've ever been lost, you know that that feeling, that moment when you realize like being lost, it it can be really, really frustrating and stressful and disorienting. And you start to feel hopeless. Like, how are we gonna get out of here? How do we find our way? And how do we, you know, get back to where we know where we are and where we're going? But there is a big difference between getting lost and being lost. Getting lost can actually be kind of fun because, When you're getting lost, you don't know it. You can be just kind of zipping along, having a great time, and have no idea actually how lost you are. In fact, you can get lost confidently. I have done it many times because the truth is you're actually lost long before you really know that you're lost. And then there's that moment where you finally realize it and you're forced to admit it to yourself and to the other people around you that you have no idea where you are and that you are indeed lost. Now, the thing about getting lost is that any of us who has ever been there, we actually started out knowing exactly where we were and confident in our ability to get to where we wanted to be. And yet somehow that's exactly what happened is we got lost. And it can happen in almost any area of our life, morally, in our relationships, spiritually, definitely financially. And, and, and it may be that being financially lost is maybe the most common area that people get lost in. It happens to a lot of us. Now, maybe you're here and you're going, okay, but how do I know? How do I know if I'm lost financially? So um, kind of jotted down a few thoughts to sort of help you figure it out, help us figure it out. See if any of these fit you. If you spend more than you make in a year, you're You're lost. If you don't know whether you spend more than you make in a year, you're lost. If you don't care that you might be spending more than you make in a year, you're way lost. If you owe more on your car than your car is worth, that certainly wasn't the plan when you bought it, you're probably lost. If paying the minimum on your credit cards is a way of life, yes, you're lost. If you don't know how much you owe overall, If you have no method, this is a big one. If you have no method of tracking where your money's going, you're probably lost. If you have a financial dream, but no plan, if you feel significant financial pressure, but there's not some giant obvious reason why, like a loss of a job or some unexpected medical situations, but it's just because of, you know, your lifestyle, your standard of living keeps bumping up against your income. And so there's pressure. Like if, if that's the case, you're probably you're probably lost. If you're making, if you've made financial decisions that you hope that your husband or wife never find out about, you're double lost. You're, there's no hope for you. 
Now, if all of that or maybe some of it applies to you, don't feel bad. The truth is, is you're in really good company this morning because statistically, that's more than half of us. But of all the arenas of life, given all the opportunity and freedom we have in this area, especially in our country, personal finance should be the easiest arena for us to not get lost in. Why? Because we know exactly how many are coming in each month and we're the ones that are telling them where to go. So there really shouldn't be any mystery but it actually happens really, really easily to us. And by the way, it has nothing to do with how much money you make, right? Because you can be lost with a little bit or you can be lost with a whole lot. And honestly, sometimes the more you have, the easier it is to get lost. Now, the main reason so many of us get lost financially is because we have the wrong objective, which is not something we spend a lot of time thinking about, right? But when you stop and think about it, what should your main objective be when it comes to your finances? Because how you answer that question really drives everything about your financial life. It drives the choices you make and what you spend your money on and what you save for and how you live. It drives everything about your life. So what is your objective? Maybe an example is like, well, my, my objective is just to take care of my family. That's a pretty good goal. But if that's your only focus, Honestly, it's easy to get lost because how do you know how much is enough and what do you do after you get there? Maybe, maybe your objective is making all the money you can. That's not a bad objective, nothing wrong with making money, but what are you gonna actually do with what you make? How are you gonna manage it? What are you gonna spend it on? How much of it are you gonna save? I've known people whose objective is to save as much as possible, which is an awesome objective, but they were not very much fun to live with. In the end, they ended up obsessing over what they had saved because that was the sole focus of their life. Maybe your objective is, my, my financial objective is to spend it all. <laughs> Probably not a lot of us would admit, admit that or state that or write that down, that that's our goal. But if you looked at how much debt we have or you looked at our spending patterns, it might just seem that way. Maybe yours is, I just want to be financially free. That's a worthwhile goal. But what exactly does that mean? Because we've all met people. We've all known or seen stories. People who were theoretically financially free, and yet they had wrecked their lives. The truth is, most of us don't actually have a clear objective. And if we do, it'd be really difficult to determine that objective if we were just kind of looking from the outside on what we spend our money on, what we spend our time doing, what we actually do with our money. And the problem with all of those objectives is not that they're bad, it's that they're incomplete. So how do we actually order this part of our life? Now, the good news is that the scriptures actually give us a compass as a guide for our lives. And before I tell you what it is, I have to tell you, and you should know, this is actually specifically for those of us who are Jesus followers. And if that's not you, you can actually take some of the practical stuff that we're going to talk about in a few minutes and put it to use and it will help you. And you don't even have to tell your friends that it's Bible stuff and, you know, that you learned it at church. You can just, and it'll help your life. But when it, when it comes to the main objective, you're off the hook. So what is the main objective? What's the one thing about our money, the compass that will keep us from getting lost? The scriptures actually tell us that our main financial objective should be to honor God. I know, what a letdown. But, but this is an extremely liberating truth. So I'm gonna ask you for just a couple of minutes to stick with me because you can totally reject this, but I, I, in my experience and based upon what we see in the scriptures, you're almost guaranteed, if you reject this, you're almost guaranteed to end up lost 
when it comes to your finances. And, and this is why we started last week with whether or not we thought, believed that God could be trusted because nobody who's ever decided to make honoring God the main objective of their finances has ever gotten lost. Jesus actually uh, alluded to this in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. He says this, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, part of what Jesus is saying is that something is gonna drive your story. Something's gonna call the shots. Something's going to be the priority. Something will be the compass that directs your life and your finances. And the only way to keep from getting lost is to make your life, including your money, about honoring God. To make your money and your stuff actually serve your story instead of the other way around, which is the most common thing that happens to us is we end up living our lives in service of our money and our stuff, servicing debt, servicing payments, paying for habits. He's going, that's actually upside down. Flip that around. Now, I know that that's a lot to digest, and I know we're tempted to not believe it, but there's a father and son in the Old Testament where we can actually watch all of this play out in their lives because David, who was the king in Israel, he did exactly what we're talking about. He made his objective for his money, for his wealth, to be about honoring God. But his son Solomon, he ended up going the other way. So a thousand years before Jesus was born, King David stood before a giant gathering of people and he prayed this really amazing prayer that's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning with verse 10. It says this, that David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So David's default position was that we don't actually own anything, that everything belongs to and comes from God, that everything, all of it is God's. And because of his generosity, he shared it with us and he's entrusting us to manage some of his stuff for him. Now, by the way, if you're struggling because of the economy or the housing market or because of COVID or a lost job or whatever, I know those moments are incredibly tough and incredibly stressful just figuring out how you're going to move forward. But it's only really bad news if one of those things was actually your source or if you're the source of everything you have. But if God is your source... You need to know this morning that he sees you and he knows your situation and your life is in his hands. So I went online this week and I checked and you can believe everything you read on the internet. And so I checked on the internet and believe it or not, the human mortality rate is hovering, you guys, still about 100%. It's crazy. Time is undefeated. I haven't seen any 150-year-olds driving around playing golf, rocking their Yeezys. I haven't seen any of that. 
So I hate to break it to you this morning, and maybe it's a little early to be telling you this, but you're going to die. Some, maybe you felt like you were going to die this morning when the alarm went off an extra hour early, but you are actually going to die someday, yes. And some of us are a little farther down that road than others. But here's the deal. When you're dead and you're no longer here, all of your stuff is going somewhere else to someone else. A few years ago, we were actually on vacation in Tahoe and uh, we drove over the mountain and over into Nevada and went to Virginia City. And uh, if you haven't been to Virginia City, it's a cool little city. Um, and and uh, there's an incredible cemetery there. We went to the cemetery and just, you know, 100 years old, 150 years old, all these headstones and stories. And, and, and I just remember, I just, you know, at one time, Virginia City was this bustling, you know, the center of the, the silver boom in Nevada. And I just remember like walking around and going like all these people and all these stories and all these lives and all these families. And, and, and no matter how much they made at the, in the boom and no matter what they ended up with, like it all just, now it's just some ancient cemetery where people walk around and go, well, we're, you know, my kids were running around looking for the oldest dates. See, the, the driving force in the scriptures that leads us to the place of health and freedom in our finances is when we choose to make honoring God with all of our stuff the main focus of our life. Now, if that actually causes some fear in your heart, if that actually, you know, causes you to kind of like some resistance and tension and pushback, but if you're a follower of Jesus, why would you resist wanting to actually honor God? It's honestly, it, it just comes down to trust and control. Because when you decide, like, God, I want to honor you with all of it, not just some of it, but all of it, there's actually so much peace and freedom and life that comes from that. And that's actually God's heart for you, for you to experience life and peace and fulfillment, freedom. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, Jesus came not just so that you could experience life after you die, so you would punch a ticket to get to heaven. Although that is a huge piece of why he came. That's why we're gonna be celebrating Easter in a few weeks. But that's not just why he came but he came so that you would experience real life while you're still alive, a full, rich, and satisfying life. So we're, we're actually gonna talk about this in a couple of weeks, but, but, but we actually live our lives thinking that if we just accumulate more things and more stuff and more, more, that, that, we'll, that, that it'll bring us freedom and peace and life. But when honoring God isn't the main objective, it only brings more trouble and stress and worry. And in the end, we get lost. And so here's David and he's saying, God, everything I have belongs to you and it comes from you. So honoring you and putting you as my priority and, and, and leveraging what you've given to us to, to actually do something bigger than us, to do something really powerful and beautiful and good in the world. Like that's how, how why would we do anything else? But then you have his son Solomon and he became king after David and he lost sight of everything his dad was about. And Solomon actually wrote about money a lot. 
Um, but in this one particular section towards the end of his life, he had a slightly different tone than what his dad took. Check it out. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses, uh, beginning with verse 18. This is Solomon speaking. He says, so I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all of the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and my skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun for a person may labor with wisdom and knowledge and skill and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What an incredible like conclusion for him to come to. See, Solomon ended up with actually far more wealth than his dad, but he lost sight of the main objective and he ended up lost. He's like, I hated all the things that I had worked for. Have you ever just like looked at your stuff and you're just like, I worked for all of this and I would literally pay someone to just take it all away. Like, have you ever walked into your garage and you're just like, I don't want to have a garage sale. I'll pay somebody money if they just come and take everything in here. And then he's like, man, you know what stinks? You know what's the worst part of life? That I've worked my whole life for everything I have. And when I die, somebody who didn't work for it is going to get it. Not only can he not enjoy what he's had while he's alive, He's obsessing over what will happen to it after he's dead. Solomon was completely lost. See, in the end, getting all we want doesn't end up being what we want, and it doesn't fill us up like we think it will. It actually leaves us empty. And Solomon, if you, you read his, like if you go back and read Ecclesiastes, like there's parts where he's just like, look, I decided in my search for meaning, that I was just gonna leverage all of my wealth for me. Like I was, I, so I built gardens and I built this elaborate castle and I built it and I, and I just decided, I denied myself no pleasure. And he's like, if I could build it or buy it or consume it, I did it and I had the wealth to do it. And then he gets to the end of it and he's like, and you know what? It was all empty. See, the mistake Solomon made is that he assumes that he's the source of all he has. He had forgotten what his dad had known, that everything belongs to and comes from God. That even the strength and the wisdom and the skill that enabled him to accumulate all that wealth came from God. And so Solomon would look at what happened and look at what he had, and he would say, look what I built with my wisdom and my knowledge and my skill. But David, his daddy, would say, God, you alone are the one with all the strength and the power to lift up and deposit wisdom and strength and skill into each of us. It's all yours. The interesting thing is I think some of David's men who were around, if they heard him say that, They'd be like, hold on, David, like I was there. I saw you choose courage. I saw you choose integrity. I saw you choose honor. I've seen you fight for what you have. To which I'm sure David would say, you're right. And I don't understand how all of it works, but this I do know, that it all belongs to him and it all comes from him. In the end, the difference between David and his son Solomon is the difference between living your life like this or living your life like this. 
One is a life of tension and worry and struggle and strife. And the other is a life at peace and freedom. Why? Because the first way is mine, 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 mine. And there's no peace in that, no matter how much you have. If you have little kids, just watch your little kids, right? When they're little and they're trying to like, when you have siblings and one of them's trying to keep the stuff away from the other and they're just like, and then a little piece slides out and they're, and they're like trying to, and there's no, there's no peace, right? They're not happier. See, you actually know people who have more than they could ever possibly need. Now, it's probably not more than they want, but they make good money, their family's provided for, they have a decent amount saved, but there's no peace in their life. They're, they're lost. Why? Because they have the wrong objective, so they have no compass. Because it's not how much you have or don't have that drives the misery level in your life. It's either this or it's this. That's what drives it. And the message of the scriptures is that everything comes from God and it all belongs to God. So the main objective for everything you have should be to honor him that owns it all. So how do you do that? Well, honoring God with your money just starts with managing it well, with how you spend it and what you do with it and how you save it, how you use it. In fact, the overwhelming majority of what the Bible teaches us about money has to do with learning to manage it well. Why? So you can get more? No. Although you most likely will, because God in the scriptures over and over and over, it says, like, when you can be faithful with a little bit, I'll give you more. Why would we manage it well? So you can take care of your family? No, but they will be taken care of. Learn to manage it well because everything belongs to God and comes from God and life isn't found in the abundance of our possessions. Can I just be honest with you just for a second? Like if I was really, 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 really rich and I had given a bunch of my estate and a bunch of my wealth to someone to manage it for me and they managed my stuff for me as poorly as I've managed God's stuff at times in my life, I would have fired them a long time ago and taken back my stuff and probably tried to sue them and make sure they get charged criminally. And I, like, like I would have, but, but God is gracious. Like we mishandle his stuff all the time. And he's like, okay, like I'm gonna trust you, but you gotta learn, like there, there's, a, you don't have to stay lost. So what does managing God's stuff well actually look like? Honestly, it starts really simply. It just starts with managing you know, managing well just starts with knowing where it's actually going. That sounds really basic and simple because it is, but how many of us have spent chunks of our life, and maybe you're there right now, where you don't know, it's, I mean, you have a, a pretty good idea, but you don't know where every dollar that you make, every dollar that comes in, you don't know where it's going. Like, have you ever just said, gotten to the end of the year or the end of a season, and you looked at your bank account or you looked at your tax return and you're like, man, that's, that's a lot of money. Where did it all go? Where did it go? And learning to manage God's stuff well begins with simply knowing where it's going. 
that you never take your eye off where the money is going. You're like, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. I thought I should focus on Jesus. Well, yes, focus your life on Jesus. But in terms of your finances, one of the most spiritual decisions you can make is to never take your eye off of where the money's going so that you know that's what a good manager would do. If you don't know where it's going, you can't make a plan, right? You can't make the constant course corrections that are needed just because life happens. You can't give and save and live like you want to, much less like God wants you to, if you don't know where it's going. Now, there's all kinds of ways that you can do this. There's all kinds of tools that you can use to keep an eye on what you have. In our family, we use the Dave Ramsey app, but there's a ton of options. And which one do you pick? And honestly, it's kind of like, well, I had this conversation one time. I went to the gym and I was like, dude, do I do the elliptical or the treadmill, the row machine? And he looked at me and he said, dude, just pick one and go. Like you'll be better off than you are right now, no matter what you choose. Like just get going. I was like, no, I need to think about this a little more. I'm going to have a donut while I do. <laughs> I actually found a table kind of comparing the best options, the, the apps that are out there. Um, and I put it together. Just take a picture of it because there's all kinds of things they took into consideration. And, the, and there's like the Mint app, the every dollar that is the Dave Ramsey. There's a free version. Then you can do an upgraded version. Then there's the, the you need a budget. That's actually an app. Um, and then the personal capital app. So if you don't have one, take a picture, use it, like begin to do something, do your research, just pick one and go. I also, just for, just for funsies, I also printed off a sheet from, from Dave Ramsey's um, uh, Financial Peace University. It's right here in your seat or it's in a, in, a, in a seat next to you. And you don't have to use this, but this is helpful if you like have never done this before. And it's just got recommendations on how much of your money should go where. What percentage of your monthly in income should go towards what? It's helpful, right? It, it's, it's just a guide. You don't have to do it that way, but just get started. Know where it's going. See, when it, when it comes to our money, our main objective should be honoring God. And we honor God by managing our money well, by the way that we give save and live and we manage it well that starts with us knowing where it's going anybody else like movies i'm a big movie guy um one of my favorite probably my top my very favorite movie is called interstellar anybody seen interstellar um i've seen it like 50 times and every time i see it i spend like a week contemplating life and thinking about like reflecting on really deep things and there's just so much depth to that movie and um and and the truth is like if you watched a movie and the whole plot was about a guy who wanted a tesla like and he just worked and worked at it and years and years to get it like you wouldn't cry at the end like when he's like sitting down with the finance guy and he's maybe you'd cry for him like don't do it dude <laughs> Right? But you wouldn't just be like, he did it. Yes. You wouldn't go tell your friends that you saw this incredible movie. You wouldn't go home and spend a week thinking about it and like, what does it mean? Right? You, you wouldn't, 
you probably wouldn't even think, like, you probably wouldn't stick around for the whole movie, but you certainly wouldn't be thinking about it more than a couple of days, except for maybe feeling like, you know what, I wasted my money on a terrible movie. That was terrible. See, because nobody cheers about stories of people who get a Tesla or who buy a bigger TV or just happen to, you know, trade up for something or get a bigger house. But we actually spend years of our lives living those stories. And then we expect our lives to feel meaningful. And I love one of my favorite authors, his name is Donald Miller. I love what he says. He says, if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a meaningful story, then it won't make a meaningful life either. And you were made for life. You were made to to experience and do something really big and beautiful and good and profound in the world for you and your family and for generations and for your neighbors and your community. You were made for life. So leverage what you have to honor God and then tell a big, bold, beautiful story of good and of blessing with your money. See, what I've actually discovered in my life is that when you trust God more than you trust money, it's not hard to trust God with your money. But the more that I trust money, the harder it is to handle my money in the way that God says to handle it. So does what you say that your life is about, does that line up? Like if we were, if you came in and sat down and said, this is what my life is about. If we kind of pulled all your financial records, would it line up with that? And if not, then you need to make some adjustments. And if you're going to keep from getting lost, the only way to do that by making honoring God with all of your stuff main objective for your life see this is not about so often the conversation in church is just about like are you tithing and are you giving and sometimes we think if we're doing those things get off my back God I got the rest of this but David's like God I'm going to honor you with all of it And I'm going to leverage all of it and manage all of it really well because it's all yours. And the beautiful thing is, is that God wants you to enjoy it. Enjoy what he's given you. Leverage what he's given you. Enjoy your life, but manage what he's entrusted to you really, really well. Let's pray.